0: Hey, welcome everybody it is Matt Hardman with another episode of the race nerd podcast here on ckCC radio and as always I am in the mobile studio no headset today um, so I'm kind of doing this for my little uh, little phone holder <laughs> I guess uh, my little captain America phone holder so I've Bear with me if you, uh, have any problems with the sound and all. i will get to try to fix that. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about. We got two weeks worth of racing. Um, we've concluded the, uh, the, the regular season, um, uh, in, in NASCAR. Now we're heading into the playoffs. Um, but we do have, uh, a lot of news to talk about. We'll briefly go over who won what. Um, we've got a lot in terms of teams and numbers and um, all sorts of stuff. But I, as always, you know, um, we always seem to start off the show with these uh, sad news bits. Uh, and, and in this episode, we've got a, a double header of these is um, we've lost, uh, since our last recording, we've lost uh, two members of the motorsports community. Um, First being Randy Herzog, um, one of the owners of Herzog Motorsports, a, a team that Not just was in NASCAR's Busch Series, but also in the ASA Series, um, ARCA, uh, and even the NHRA, which I did not realize. Um, Herzog Motorsports is most notable in their Busch Series success for finding a young man uh, from California who was racing in the ASA Series that some of you may have heard of, uh, by the name of Jimmy Johnson. Um, the, Jimmy Johnson, when he was noticed by Jeff Gordon racing against him, uh, was, uh, driving for Herzog Motorsports, and, um, you know, was pretty competitive for a team that wasn't on the upper end financially, and, um, Herzog would, uh, you know, they would make waves with Jimmy, and, um, Later on, would um, attract people like Reggie Jackson into the fold um, before uh, a lack of sponsorship kind of signaled their way out of the sport. Um, but to hear uh, Randy's passing, you know, it was a it was a sad thing for those those of you who remember the Bush series that were around um, at that point in time, and um, for those of you, those of us who followed it. Uh, so, that, that, that is sad to hear. Uh, but the, 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 sad news, and, um, this, this news is kind of hard, especially coming off the, um, losing Bob Jenkins. Um, it was announced, um, last week that, Robin Miller had succumbed to cancer. Um, I, I don't, I I thought trying to, like, eulogize Bob Jenkins for what it's worth was hard. Um, but this is so much harder. Um, Robin Miller, whether you loved him or hated him, um, was the quintessential IndyCar journalist. Um, the way he, he painted a picture. This was a man who loved indie as much as... Anybody I know. Um, Robin, who, uh... Who would start writing for, um... The Indianapolis Star, uh, as a a teenager, you know, covering the Indy 500, um, would rise through the ranks of the paper, become one of the premier, um, open-wheel racing, um, uh, uh, journalists. Uh, I was at a loss for words because, you know, um, he, he would meet both rivals and friends with many of the drivers in the garage. Um, many, he was close with very many people. Um, the Allison, uh, not the Allison's, the Andrettis, the, probably the Allison's during their 10 year, their brief 10 year in IndyCar racing. Um, the Andrettis, the Uncers, you know, Everybody knew who Robin Mo- Miller is. He always got to a story, um, and he was very, very well respected. Liked on, a, on a, and maybe a different story, but very, very well respected. Um, and he'd, he would stay at the Indianapolis Star, um, until the mid-90s. Um, roughly around the time of the IndyCar cart split, where he would craft a, a now infamous slash famous fascist historic story on um, IndyCar and Tony George, which would basically uh, sign the death knell of his career at the newspaper. But fear not, Robin would not have a problem as he would be picked up by um, other um, avenues where you know he would um, find himself as one of the regular guests on Dave Despain's Wind Tunnel, um, which was the first time I had actually got to to um, see and hear Robin Miller. Uh, he would find himself involved with, um, with IndyCar broadcasts on versus in later NBC's, um, networks, um, for IndyCar racing. Uh, he would find a home at Racer Magazine, uh, shortly after the article. Um, so Robin had always stayed busy. Uh, this was a a young man who was fired from his first job in racing, um. And, uh, because he went to work for his, his idol, uh, Jim Huberantz, and, um, Huberance didn't like the way he painted his race car, so he fired this young man who was just a teenager at the time. Um, Miller would also dabble in USACs for part of his career career while being a writer, uh, which would gain him a lot uh, of respect um, by fellow racers in that garage um, that would open doors that any other uh, journalist would be locked out of. Um, So, we'll always remember Robin Miller um, for the fact that he can get a story, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And, and his humor, his his, uh, dry wit and, you know, he could he, he could be your enemy in the garage one day, but end up being your best friend, um, the six other days of the week. Uh, so, Godspeed to uh, Robin Miller and Randy Herzl. Alright, anyway, um, We do have a lot to talk about. We have two weeks worth of racing. And there are some topics I really want to really dive into. So I'm going to kind of like really shoehorn through the races. Uh, I apologize if I miss any. Um, But uh, two weeks ago we had NASCAR at Michigan. Uh, We also had the ARCA Series up there. Then we um, had... Daytona closing out um, NASCAR's uh, NASCAR's um, regular season for their Cup Series. Now, Michigan, we would see um, Sheldon Greed who would run at Gateway with the trucks. He would be the first driver to lock themselves in, in the Truck Series winning out there lift kits for less.com 200, um, so he w- he is the first driver doing advance in the truck series round of six, um, he will continue on to that round, um, with the trucks racing this weekend at Darlington, um, the Xfinity series, I honestly don't remember who won in Michigan, I believe it was AJ Allmendinger. Um, I I can't quote that, but I believe it was A.J. Allmendinger as he was following up his cup win, um, from Indianapolis. Uh, Anyway, and then we would actually have a very competitive, very good race at uh, Michigan for the cup, guys, which would see Ryan Blaney. a Michigan race full of a lot of passing, which is very surprising because for a long period of time um, Michigan races were kind of dull and boring, but this one had a lot of passing, but Ryan Blaney would pick up the win there We'll move on to um, Daytona which would see the Wawa 250 uh, started on a Friday night and then finish on a Saturday afternoon, early Saturday afternoon with Justin Haley picking up the win there. Then we would move on to Saturday night which would culminate the regular season with so many drivers throwing Hail Marys. Um, But in the end Ryan Blaney would go two for two after a last lap wreck. take out um majority of the field. Um shouldn't say last lap wreck because we would have three crashes in fifteen laps. Um we, but everybody was pretty good up until those last fifteen laps but I, I believe desperation and uh stupidity snuck in there. Um you know Chase Elliott causing one big wreck with a bad block, um, a bad push from, um, Kurt Busch would, uh, would cause a wreck on the final lap that would allow Blaney to capture the win. Um, but I, I do gotta give, uh, well, which, before I, um, before I give that out, um, We would already know going into this race who 15 of the 16 drivers would be that would race. And at the end it came down to a pair of teammates fighting for that final position with Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon. Um, Both of them would have troubles during the race. Uh, Dillon would would get called for a penalty uh, late in the race, um, pit road penalty. Tyler Reddick would be involved in one of those many wrecks um, within that 15 minutes. But at the end of the day, it was Tyler Reddick in a very beat-up Cheddar Scratch Kitchen Chevrolet um, advancing to the round of 16, while Austin Dillon, who realistically had the shot to make the playoffs, um, going into that last lap uh would uh he would um be left sitting on the apron um his car in a heap sitting on the banking not able to move uh it, it, it I'm not an Austin Dillon fan but it it's a sad it it, it sucks that that happens um it's good that one of the Richard Childress cars made it. Uh, there could have been anybody who would have who had the possibility of stealing that final spot. At one point, it looked like it could have been Matt Di Benedetto. Another point, it looked like it could have been Daniel Suarez. And at another point, you know, it looked like it could have been Corey LaJoy. Gory LeJoy is definitely getting an attaboy for that race. He was up there up front, um, played, played the game real well until he was involved in a wreck. But I gotta give two shout-outs right here. Um, to two drivers who recorded their first top tens of their career. Um, first being BJ McLeod, who um, BJ, along with uh, Matt Tift and uh, Joe Falk, founded Live Fast Racing uh, last year with um, cars and equipment purchased from uh, Go Fast Racing. Um, they put together this last-minute deal. They've been running on a shoestring budget uh, with McLeod as the driver for most of the season, um, and McLeod, who has not had a top ten in his NASCAR career, not just Cup, but in his NASCAR career, um, while he was winning in the Super Modifieds before coming to NASCAR, he, uh, he has not found that same success, but, uh, this is very big, uh, they would finish ninth in the running order at the end of the race, but uh, finished 10th in the running order, my apologies, finish 10th in the running order, um, but in the in the post race results, would be, would be rewarded as if I forgot how to talk. He would be rewarded and credited with a ninth place finish. And Josh Balicki, the insurance king himself, uh, for those of you who don't know, Josh Balicki was normally sponsored by Insurance King, um, which. I, I will say it's become one of my favorite sponsors in NASCAR with a lot of the stuff they do and how very hands-on they are, and, and very fun they are. Um, Josh Balicki, who is not running his usual Insurance King colors um, for Rick Rick Ware Racing, I almost said Rick Flair Racing, um, but anyway, Balicki, who will be running. Rick Ware's car, or, um, with the Jacob Company sponsorship on it. Um, he would, uh, he would wheel that home to the 11th place finish on the pylon, but would be credited with 10th as, uh, runner up in the race. Chris Busher would be stripped of his win. Um, and, uh, or stripped of his second-place finish, I apologize, um, due to an illegal track bar mount, um, which moved everybody up in position, so Bubba Wallace, who, um, there's been a lot of animosity towards Bubba this year, as, well, in the past few years, but particularly this year, saying how he's underperforming and needs to lose his job, uh in a brand new team. So, yeah. People don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, Bubblewood nailed down uh 2311 Racings um first runner-up finish in their um in, in their history of the team. And this comes off the of news that they would that Bubba would have a teammate next year. But we'll get to that in a second. So, it, it was a good race. It was full of a lot of underdogs, a lot of surprise runs, um, particularly out of McLeod, Balicki, and um, Corey LaJoy, who was set to have a career day, and probably could have pulled off a win um, if it wasn't involved in that final wreck. Um, so, it it was good, and now we move on to Darlington, uh, and the Cookout Southern 500 this weekend. Um, mind you, this is not the Throwback Weekend, we did that earlier this year at Darlington, um, but there will be some special stuff coming up, uh, at the track, I know the Wood Brothers are doing, chose to do their Throwback at Darlington instead of Throwback Weekend are gonna do it at the, uh, the Southern 500, um, so, um, well, we got, we got, we got a lot to talk about, um, first and foremost, as I alluded to when talking about Bubba Wallace, um, Bubba will have a teammate next year, um, the worst kept secret in the garage has been officially announced, and that is that Kurt Busch will be moving from Chip Ganassi Racing uh, to uh, the 2311 race team uh, as a teammate with Bubba Wallace, driving the number 45 car, uh, the number 45 Toyota with Monster as the sponsor. As this was announced and it was also shown in the announcement that NASCAR has decided to move the numbers on the sides of the car, um, from the, the door closer to the front tires, and that is to give, um, more location for sponsors, um, larger sponsor, uh, placement, and, uh, as a traditionalist, I'm not really feeling it, um, Granted, this is better than what they had at the All-Star Race. Um, This is taken away from the spots where we would normally have contingency sponsors in NASCAR. Um, The contingency sponsors are all the little decals you would see on cars like uh, Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt's cars. You have like those 50 little um, sponsors that you would see right behind their, their front tires this would take that place. Um, so, you would have that. But, uh, this, um, certainly was something else. Um, obviously the 45, um, a nod to Michael Jordan's, um, basketball number uh, when he returned to the NBA. And, um, he would. Uh, he would also use that number in his fledgling minor league baseball career. Obviously, the um... the, the number the number sort of fits. Um, I I can kind of dig that. Um, but it was really cool as when they made the announcement that they had. Reached out before um, defining on the number, they reached out to the Petty family, and and I. This is what I think is cool. They reached out to the Petty family uh, to get their blessing to run the number forty-five. I know they didn't need to do that, but um, they did that as, as as a sign of respect and everything because. Um, The number 45 was Adam Petty's number. Um, For those of you who don't know, Adam Petty uh, was the son of Kyle Petty and the grandson of Richard Petty. So while Richard would drive the 43, as his father before him drove the number 42, Richard would drive the 43. Uh, Kyle, when he would return to the family fold, would run the number 44. And when it came Adam's time to move to the Cup Series, he would drive the number 45. Uh, Unfortunately, Adam would only make one Cup start um, in 2000 at Texas and would be killed later on in a practice accident at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Um, Kyle would fill the rest of Adam's dates, removing himself from his team Um, And finishing out that and would run the 45 car for the rest of his career in honor of his son. Um, And Adam was very widely regarded in the garage as a great human being and all. And to see um, Denny and uh, Michael Jordan, their team, you know, take the time to get the blessing to bring the 45 back to the track. Uh, It was a a really a really good moment, Um, and they're happy to see it back on the track, and they know that Kurt is a great ambassador, and will um, do that number proud and bring home wins with it. Uh, So um, we had that, which obviously was kind of it was one of the worst secrets in the garage, especially after. The announcement that Trackhouse Racing would be by Chip Ganassi and that uh, Ross Chastain was their second driver that they will run full-time as a teammate to Daniel Suarez. Um, Moving on, we had the numbers, which I touched on briefly. And then um, we had an incident, and this is where I am going to get ugly. We had an incident in the um, in the Michigan race in the Arca series uh, involving a couple of drivers um, that unfortunately has cost a third driver their entire season. Um, early in the laps of the the Henry Ford uh, Health Health Systems. Um, 200 when this is the, the arc race on the two, two mile, um, Michigan motor speedway, a very fast track. Um, one of the fastest in NASCAR and certainly the fastest track where they don't run a restrictor place, restrictor plate race. Um, this would, um, an incident would involve in the first lap where, um, Drew Dollar, driving for Venturini Motorsports, uh, would get in new, would be contact with Thad Moffat. Thad Moffat, if you don't know, is the, another grandson of Richard Petty's, um, through one of his other children. Um, Thad, obviously running the, the family numbers, uh, would actually run number 46, you know. Obviously, Adam running 45, which we just discussed. Uh, Thad would run 46. Um, Dollar would get the Moffitt early in the race, just hard racing. And, you know, put him, you know, in a, in a bad spot, put him back. Well, later on, as the race would progress, um, Moffitt would retaliate um, and get in, spin... Dollar out um, as Dollar was passing him, and uh, this spin that would co- that would send Drew Dollar into the wall would involve driver Tim Richmond, um, Richmond who is a independent racer, and ironically sharing the name of a very famous. Um, NASCAR racer from the 80s, even though there's no relation. Um, Richmond would be collected in this wreck, um, suffer uh, broken leg and many other um, injuries, and would be forced to sit out the rest of the 2021 season. Um, Automatically, there were calls by the fans that say, Dollar and Moffitt should be suspended for the rest of the season. Um, and I'm not in the realm of a suspension. Um, uh, as this has gone on longer than... Um, this this story goes on longer, is what I'm trying to say. Um, as there was an incident at the airport involving... Moffitt and his team along with drew dollar and his team, um, dollars crew chief is, uh, on, um, indefinite suspension from NASCAR, um, dollar and his, one of his crew members have been, have been, um, put on probation for the end of the season. And, um, major fines, um, due to a incident where they were, um, lots of words said, including some that definitely cannot be repeated here. A lot of racial epithets and, um, homophobic slurs, uh, directed towards Moffitt's team after the wreck. Um, here's where I stand on this, um. Uh, the, I've seen both incidents, um, Dollar getting into Moffitt on this deal. It was it was hard racing, a little too hard for the beginning of the race, um, but there really wasn't a major issue. There wasn't a major issue until Moffitt uh, returned Fever and um, eventually took Dollar out, put him in the wall, which caused um, Tim Richmond to be taken out in the same rack. So now you have an innocent third party that is sitting at home with um, broken bones in his leg, um, missing the rest of the season, and Moffitt and Dollar will continue on with their season. Um, That's not right. Moffitt, in my opinion, should be suspended at least for the next two races. Now, I know that they've run Springfield and um, Milwaukee. <sighs> Sorry, I lost my thought there. Anyway, um, Moffitt, I think, should be suspended at least for a couple of races, because this, there, there's a time and place. And I know NASCAR, and to an extent ARCA, glorifies this type of thing. Um, this type of drivers being drivers, you know, the boys policing themselves, you know, that whole uh, boys will be boys thing, racers will be racers. But where does this stop? Um, we saw this whole debacle, you know, cost a championship in the ARCA series as um, many years back when Ricky Stenhouse and Scott Speed were running for the ARCA title, um, Speed would and Stenhouse would lose the ARCA title um, due to their beating and banging on each other. Um, You know. Uh, I'll have to find the video for that, but that is something in itself. <laughs> um, for those of you who are interested in what I'm talking about, uh, I will dig up the video and see how these two knuckleheads, um, playing bumper cars with each other, took themselves out of a championship and ultimately gave it to Justin Allgaier, uh, which really launched his career. In NASCAR, um, but you know you you see these with what they show these drivers retaliating. They play it in commercials. Um, it's usually at places like Richmond or Bristol, or you know small tracks. But doing this at a at a two hundred mile an hour track is ridiculous, and the fact that uh, ARCA's sanctioning body hasn't done a damn thing. Um, other than penalize, um, some couple, a couple of, a uh, couple of crew members and a crew chief, uh, for slurs at an airport, is ridiculous, um, Dad Moffat should be, realistically should be suspended for at least two or three races, his spotter and his crew chief, um, because there is no excuse. There's no excuse. Um, Moffat, in my eyes, you know, it, had he waited for for Springfield, where they race on the dirt, or Milwaukee, where it's a smaller track, I, it's mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling why you have to do it there, because you have the risk of... Um, taking out other cars you have the risk of injury or even death in a payback thing I I don't understand this I don't I really do not somebody fucking please explain to me the logic of taking somebody out on 200 mile an hour track but um anyway so we move on um they will be racing next at Coin for the Alan Crow 100, I believe it is, this weekend, which we'll see Ken Schrader return to an ARCA car. Um, Kenny, who has not raced an ARCA car in a while, a uh, longtime ARCA um, owner who would pop in and drive on occasion, and would win the ARCA championship just a few years back with uh, main zone Austin Barrio um, set to hop back behind the wheel. I believe he sold all of his Arco equipment, so I don't know who he's going to be driving for. Um, but this is a big thing. Um, it's one of the few dirt tracks that Arca runs on. Uh, so this is going to be exciting. Um, obviously we have Darlington, and we're heading into the final stretch for IndyCar where we'll have Portland, Long Beach, And Laguna Seca coming up. So, we'll have all that. So, in the meantime, uh, I am Matt Hardman, and I will see you at the track. Bye.